we've had a, a great morning in the presence of the Lord. And let me tell you something. As this service stands, it is complete. Complete simply because it's the power of God that moves in our lives and the truth of his presence that we need. I share with you a word because, well, now that's my job. That's my part of this uh, precious ministry. But I will be very, 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 very short only because at a time like this and at a moment like this, it would be redundant to try to add a great deal more. God has healed. God has transformed lives. God has given his blessing. And people here have gotten to know the Lord. And that, that's, that is all that counts in a service. I share with you this morning that beautiful situation of one word, revelation. Now, revelation is called the name, apocalypse or revelation, the name of the last book of the New Testament. And it's called revelation because precisely it's just that. It's the revelation of Christ to his apostle John of the latter days. It's our New Testament eschatology, and that's just a name for speaking about the latter day things or things that are in the future or things that are to come or the prophetic things not yet seen. Uh, so we have that word revelation, but I share it with you this morning in a much simpler form. I'm talking about revelation, which comes from the Lord. And revelation that is a light. Revelation that is a moment of understanding. And the interesting thing about revelation as I am explaining it to you, it's something that you'd almost hit your head and say, well, I've read that so many times and I never saw it that way. I've heard that so many times and it never reached me that way. Why, that has got to be something I've known. Yet, look what it means to me now, today, at this time. It's that overwhelming presence of God that enlightens a situation whether it be a scripture, whether it be an experience you're going through, whether it be an anxiety, whether it be something that happened that left you in a quandary, left you thinking, left you wondering why, why did God permit it? Well, there comes a time. Now, Revelation has two elements to make it Revelation. The first, first element is truth. To be a revelation, it must be true. The second element is the one we like, or better said, we dislike time. We don't like time. That's why we love McDonald's. That's why we love, love country fried chicken. That's why we love Wendy's. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous to go in and get what you want right away? Isn't it? It's unbelievable. Then if you don't feel like going in, just go around with your car. That's even better. Okay, now, we are sharing today, how do you? It has the element of truth, the element of time. Now, time in the revelation is bothersome. 
Because we want everything quickly, and because it doesn't come quickly, we want to, we, we always want to shake God up. You know, we sometimes think that God lives sleeping. And we spend our time trying to wake him up. Listen, God. Now listen to me, God. Now, God, won't you listen at this time? Lord, I'm calling. I can almost see the Lord saying, honey, don't shout. I'm not asleep. I'm wide awake. Habla. Speak. Isn't that precious? Because he is. You know what the scripture says? The God of Israel. Your God and my God. He never sleeps and he never slumbers. Never sleeps and he never slumbers. He's attentive to our call. He wants us to call him so much that he's there waiting. And we don't exactly know when we are going to. We don't exactly know when we are going to. Now, the word of the Lord, and this is precious, lets us know that if we call on him, he most certainly will answer us. And when he answers... He answers clearly. And God's answers many a time form the nucleus of what we're asking for, revelations. That is a revelation. God's answer becomes our revelation. Revelation can start with a seed. And that's why I say to you folks that know the Lord, and when you go out to talk about the Lord, don't knock people out. Don't roll them over. Don't tire them. Don't asphyxiate them. When you talk to people about the Lord, just simply tell them what he means to you, not what he's got to do in them. Okay? Don't let them know why they need the Lord. Just tell them why you needed the Lord. Let the reflection come through. Let them draw from your experience uh, the truth of what they need. Because the minute you say, you need the Lord, they're on the defensive. And then if you tell them why they need the Lord, because they drink, because they do this, because they do well, they're not, then, then they get their boxing gloves on. And then there may be a moment of sheer anger. You say, who's this guy telling me? I have known people to be very offended, especially if a husband is listening to what some preacher or some, uh, some witness is saying uh, to their wives or to their friends. I've got news for you folks, sweet news. God hasn't called us to declare the sins of anyone. And if he does, he'll prepare you like a Nathan and take you right through with a prophetic message. But other than that, witnessing is not, it's, it's not a prophetic office to be able to insult people about what they do and what they do wrong. Just tell them what God's done for you. Tell them how God has freed you. You say, Sister B, he's on drugs. I want him to know he's on He knows he's on drugs. Yeah, but they, they sometimes they, 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 they're, they're such great denial. True. Well, then just tell them how God's freed you from drugs. You say, but I was never on drugs. How can you say God freed me from drugs? Well, to live in a society that's a drug society, and you've never been on drugs, that's to be freed from drugs. Some people say, I've never experienced divine healing. To walk in the polluted streets of New York, to drink the waters that we don't know who's dumped what on them, to breathe the air that comes out filled with soot and garbage, to eat fruit that's been sprayed with something that would kill an elephant. And you're well, my good brothers and sisters, you are, 
divinely healed. You better believe it. That's the way it goes. That is the way it goes. So when you, when we're talking about revelation, revelation's a seed. It's not a knife. Revelation is not a knife. So don't think you're a surgeon. You're going to cut his heart out. You better not. You better not. That's not our job. We are not surgeons. We are messengers. And you know what a messenger has to do? Just drop the message. You don't hang around. No one's offering you coffee. No one's telling you to come in and take a nap. No one's, no one's inviting you in. You just deliver your message. That's it. Turn around and go. You say, oh, sister, you make it so cut and dry. But it's not always so cut and dry. No, but be cut and dry. Because let me tell you something. Even good things in the wrong time and in wrong portions fall like rocks. They just don't, they're not effective. Let's ask God to give us that wisdom. When I say starts with a seed, let me share, show you the seed with which God started with the Samaritan woman, and I love it. He says, give me some water, and she says, uh, how come you being a Jew ask me for water? We don't even get along, so why should I give you water? I mean, this is, this is a sassy lady. And Jesus just drops a little seed. It doesn't seem very important, but it sure is catching. She says, if you knew who I was, then you'd ask me, and I'd give you living water. Woo! Talk about a seed. <laughs> Talk about a seed. That's a whole barrel seed. This woman just, and it sparked her up. And it was through that seed that the woman came to know him, accept him, and go back to Samaria and bring a whole town out to meet him. So this tells us what we, what a revelation is all about. Revelation is all about a seed. And let me tell you something. Oh, now I hope I can get this across. God is so interested in the salvation of mankind. God is so interested in every single person. You're not, I'm not. We have our inner circle, we have ourselves, we have our families, and we have our friends, we have our church, we have our neighborhood. But you see, God isn't, God has no fences. God has no fences. When God looks from heaven, he sees a humanity. There isn't anyone he doesn't see. There isn't anyone he doesn't see. So when you're sowing a seed, God's preparing somewhere along the way that someone else will come and drop some water on that seed. And then someone else will come and drop a little bit more water on the seed. And down the road, someone's going to stir the earth. And along the way, somebody's going to give it more water. And you're long gone. Spring is gone and fall is gone and winter is gone. And spring breaks forth again. And the seed breaks forth. And the earth gives forth its, uh, its, its precious seed in a form of a flower. And you look, you may never know. What your seed did. Somewhere in California it's breaking. Somewhere in Puerto Rico it's breaking. Somewhere in Alaska, in Canada. Uh, somewhere in El Barrio it's breaking. Isn't that marvelous? Because he's in charge. You know, the, you know what Jesus said? My father's the gardener. My father's the gardener. You plant the seed. He'll take care of it. He'll open up the way. He'll bring someone else in. He'll move it. You know, sometimes we think we're the great movers. Movers and shakers, here we are. God's gotten rid of a few movers and shakers. And I say this with great humility, and I say this with great pain. And I've learned the most tremendous lesson in the whole wide world. 
God didn't call us to be movers and shakers. He's the mover. He's the shaker. We're the sowers of seed. And if you only get the opportunity to plant one seed, that's enough. That's enough. And I mean that sincerely. God's got everybody working. Hallelujah. The Samaritan woman was just just that seed. And you know what happened. I think of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' seed was a little different. A little different. He looks up in a tree and he says, let's have lunch together. Did you ever think that would be a seed? Did you ever think that would be a seed? Have you ever said to someone, let's have lunch together? You say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, that's all Jesus said to Zacchaeus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have lunch at your house today. He says, who, me? Yeah. You say, well, Sister Amy, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the natural things of life. I'm talking about the things that are so commonplace. I'm talking about the happy times. I'm talking about gentle moments. Uh, I'm talking about, hey, uh, 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 a glass of cold water. I'm talking about a friendly little conversation. I'm, I'm talking about a lunch at a lunch bar. And have you ever been having lunch at a lunch bar where somebody's waiting behind for your seat? You feel the soup is going down your neck and down your dress instead of in your mouth? You say, well, that's no place to plant a seed. That's what you think. You see, folks, seeds aren't always words. Seeds are attitudes. Seeds are feelings. To want to be with that person at that given time. And it may not be one of your choice people, but somehow or other God, God stirred you. And you said, let's go have lunch together. And somewhere along the line, God's going to let you drop a seed. Just a seed. Don't try to take over the world, folks. Please don't. Just drop a seed. And then in your heart, water it with love. God's going to work it out. When you get to heaven, I think there are a lot of people who are going to be so totally surprised. When they start putting crowns on your head and you say, well, what's this for? And there'll be a lot of stars on those crowns. And you say, well, wait a minute. I, I wasn't an evangelist. They made a mistake. This, this belongs to Billy Graham. I mean, this belongs to Oral Roberts. I mean, this belongs to, give it to someone else. Uh, and the Lord says, no, it's yours. Uh, and all of a sudden, like a motion picture, before your eyes, the Holy Spirit will let you see every life you smiled with, every hand you extended, every prayer you said, every person you reached, and you didn't think you reached them. That's, that's the sad part. Sometimes we don't think we reach them. We say, I know, I didn't have a chance. We, we really didn't. We didn't get into the nitty-gritty. Did you love? Yes. Did you want to reach? Yes. Did you give something? Yes. Well, that's it. Oh, hallelujah. Zacchaeus, I want to sup with you today. And he was one. It starts with a seed and then it continues with thinking. A seed makes the head go round. You start to think. The process of revelation, it starts with a seed, but it continues in the mind. You see, before anything gets to the heart, it's got to go to the mind. People say, oh God, open my heart. No, no, until it filters through here, it doesn't go down here. You've got to sort it out up here. And you sort it out saying, do you want it or don't you want it? Is it important or isn't it important? What is this all about? There are three men in the scriptures. There are more than three. I just picked out three. Men that needed a lot of time to think. And that showed up only in a shade 
but I think we'll see them in heaven. Number one gentleman, Nicodemus, comes at night. Doesn't want anybody to see him. You see, folks, what we don't understand about these religious rulers is that the religion was the politics of the day. They didn't only have one whammy, they had two whammies. If you got rid of politics, you got rid of religion, you had nothing. You were a nomad. You were a wanderer. You were ready for expulsion. And those two entities were so tied together that you couldn't leave one without the other. Nicodemus thinks it over and he comes to Jesus and he says, we know that you've got to be from God because no man can do the things that you do lest God will with him. I mean, that's a conclusion. That's a conclusion. And Jesus could have had a great time, you know, soaping up this man. You're a great ruler. You're a great important person. Pa, 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 pa. But he doesn't. Do you know what he says? You know what he says? He says, Nicodemus, verily I say unto you, lest a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wow, that's heavy. You see, I wouldn't have said that to Nicodemus. I thought I would be a classy speaker. I would have said that to the Samaritan woman. Five husbands and the one you have now isn't yours. I'd say, woman, you've got to be born again. And I'd say it with sass. And I'd say it with emphasis. Because that's the way we testify. That's the way we deal with people. Especially when you know their sins. So, we think God's given us a growling ministry, and he hasn't. Jesus says to the most important man in the world, what he said to the Samaritan woman, God is spirit, and those that worship him should worship him in spirit and in truth. I would have said that to Nicodemus. That's in his field. That's in his ballpark. I mean, that's his lingo. God, 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 Nicodemus, church, prince of the synagogue. God is spirit, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus would have said, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> but it didn't work out that way. Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, God is spirit. And you want to say, Jesus, don't tell her that. She's had five husbands. The one she has now, she isn't even married to him. Don't tell her that. What does a woman of the street know about God? You see, that's the way we judge. A woman of the street is hungry for God, just usually doesn't know the way. And Jesus came to show us the way. Glory to God. Another one of the men in the scriptures that uh, had to do a little thinking, Gamaliel. He was Paul's teacher. He's the man that appears at the end of the fifth chapter, or fourth or fifth chapter of the book of Acts. When they want to whip and beat the disciple, is this man that comes forward and he says, now wait a minute, wait a minute, hold steady. We shouldn't really do that. Why? Well, because if this is of God, no, he says, if this isn't of God, it'll disappear. Haven't we had other people come by? Haven't we had other people proclaim that they were Christ and Lord and Messiah? Didn't they all disappear? Well, if this is the same way, it's going to disappear. And then he goes on and he throws the clunker. And he says, but if this is of God, we're going to be found resisting God. So watch out. You can't say that unless you've had a glimmer of revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then I can count on my hands four Roman soldiers that came through to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ through thinking it through. 
And it's that last one at the cross that looks up and puts a spear through his side and comes to the tremendous conclusion, truly this was, this is the Son of God. Hallelujah. Revelation also, it takes on a wonder, an enlargement of something. And there comes a moment where it's too big for you to handle. But at the same time of being enlarged and big to handle, it's also very hazy. But that's okay. That's okay, because if you saw it all, you'd die. So it's best it be hazy until you come into the burst. And I call the burst because revelation opens up like the sun at high noon. The scripture says the righteous man is precisely like the sun that rises and, and travels up until the day is perfect and the sun is at its highest peak. That's the way of a righteous man, but it's also the way of revelation. It starts with just a breaking of day. It starts doing, let me tell you what it does. The first thing it does is that it breaks through the darkness. And as it breaks through the darkness of night, it also dissolves confusion. There's nothing worse than being confused. Nothing worse than not knowing what's right or what's wrong. There's nothing worse than knowing if something is of God or isn't of God. The sense of confusion is horrendous and that's why religion has sinned against men. We have. As religious bodies, we've sinned against mankind. We've confused them. They don't know if they're coming or going. We say to be Catholic, that means you're saved. We say to be Protestant, that means you're saved. The other people say, no, go to the Old Testament uh, and follow Jehovah and we are his witnesses uh, and be saved. And the other ones come on and say, no, 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 we've got a new gospel. Jesus left us a second gospel, the gospel according to the Mormons. Interesante. You understand? And anybody that stands in that position, anybody that stands in that position, anybody that says, in my box, God abides, I have to tell them, even if they're Protestants, they're way off. Because God doesn't abide in boxes made by men. And God doesn't abide by the signs made by man. And it's only the Holy Spirit and perfect revelation that takes away the confusion. And you know something? If you're hungry for God, he'll take away the confusion. And last but not least, let me tell you something. When we have emergencies in our lives, when we have decisions to make, this is also a needy time of revelation. If you're confused, you need a revelation. If you're in darkness, you need a revelation. If you're in a position to make a decision, you need a revelation. And if you're hungry for more of God, you need revelation. And listen to this. He says that if you're in the truth, and Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And any man that cometh unto me, any man, I will in no wise cast out. And those that do come, I give them the power to become the sons of God. So Jesus is the truth. And you will know the truth. And guess what? The truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why a perfect revelation, a perfect revelation is a seed, a seed of truth. 
A perfect revelation is one that you've got to think about, take time to think about, uh, take time to put everything in its proper order. You may be caught up in the wonder. The picture may be hazy, but fear not. Because there will be a burst of sun at high noon. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to be able to say like Peter. Jesus says, who do the men say I am? And one says, well, some say that you are uh, this, that, and the other. Well, let me tell you who. Some say you're a prophet, and some say uh, you're uh, Jeremiah, and some say you're, well, they, they've got a million names for you. And he says, and who do you think I am? And he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. And in the sixth chapter of John, when the multitude is leaving, because Jesus has spoken some hard words, Peter says, the, the people are leaving. What do we do? Jesus looks at him and says, well, if you want to leave, you can leave too. And it's at that great moment of revelation. It's, it, it's the revelations that shake you up. To whom shall we go? For you alone have words of eternal life. Hallelujah. That's revelation. Each Christian has got to live in the framework of the revelation. And let me tell you this. It never stops. It never stops. What you learn today will be a revelation. But you will go on. From glory to glory, from revelation to revelation, the truth of God will fill your soul and fill your body and fill your mind. And one day you will wake up and read a scripture that you've read for the last 13 years. And it'll open up like a fountain. And when the fountain is flowing, then it's going to have some colors to it. And you're going to look at it and it's going to be vast and glorious. And it's yours. Why? Because whoever is hungry and thirsty after God will never cease to drink from his fountain of revelation. Say amen. amen. Let us stand. Hallelujah. I want you to pray at this moment. I want you to ask God to give you a revelation. Yes. You say, sister, what do you mean give me a revelation? I mean just that. God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. His power and wisdom will fulfill the utmost counsel of his will. Hallelujah. Let his life be your revelation. And may your life be lived in the faith of the Son of God. Oh, Heavenly Father, we're so thrilled. We're so pleased. We're so happy that we do not have to wait for anyone to come and bring us a new revelation. For Solomon said, beneath the sun there is nothing new. For even that which was to come, which was Messiah, had already been proclaimed and prophesied. So we thank you that in the fullness of time you sent your son and he is our perfect revelation. Help us this day, Lord. Walk with you and talk with you. Help us, Lord, this day. Live in the light of that glorious revelation. Hallelujah. As eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I wouldn't want anyone to leave this chapel this morning without making a commitment if necessary and for this moment 
Would you mind very much if I asked you to be seated for just a minute? Just a moment. We're still praying. We're still talking to the Lord. Is there someone here that you say, Sister Amy, I, I, I'm, I'm not a religious person. And somehow or other, I kind of say to myself, I don't ever want to get religious. I would answer you, my friend. I don't blame you. For religion has done maybe more harm than wars. But we're not talking religion this morning. You know what we're talking? We're talking relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking walking and talking with him. We're, we're talking living for him.